Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The people around Marivet Navarrete couldn't understand why she was so frustrated at the lack of Latina representation in media. After all, she grew up in South Florida. Latino voices and Latino culture were all around her. Going to college in Tallahassee taught her there was a world outside the Miami bubble. She came home and eventually started The Mujerista. It's an online publication that created a new space for Latina writers and Latina readers. Maribet curates stories, interviews, and opinion pieces on subjects that matter to women of a Latin background. The issue is close to Maribet's heart. She's the daughter of Nicaraguan immigrants. Her mother was pregnant with her when she crossed the Rio Grande. Most of the Mujerista's readers come from outside South Florida. Some locals still in the Miami bubble don't understand the need for a Latina-focused platform. Even some in her family questioned it. But the Knight Foundation, which values art and journalism, gave her a grant to help the Mujerista grow. And the publication continues to find a wider audience. Growing up in Miami gave Marivet the confidence to tell her story. Now she's helping other Latinas do the same. Here to talk to us about this mission is Marivet Navarrete. Welcome, Marivet. Hello. It is so great that uh, you're able to come in and talk to us about it because I think it's so important, right? I mean, so mo- so many of us uh, who grew up in South Florida and left only realize what the Miami bubble is mm-hmm. until we're outside of it. Exactly. So talk to me about that a little bit. Talk to me about, um, let's talk about the Miami bubble for a minute. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> oh, wherever you want to get into it. I, I, I think it's interesting, this idea that um, when, you know, when you're here, you're, you know, you're surrounded by 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 Latin culture mm-hmm. and from different so many different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what it was like your kind of first experiences getting out of that. So when the opportunity came to go away to college in Tallahassee, um, go Seminoles by the way. <laughs> Boo! I'm a Gator. We <laughs> I don't knew, like I was that. Listen, for it. listen, we don't talk that here. <laughs> we don't talk about those things here. Um, so when the opportunity <laughs> came, I I knew that there was a bubble in Miami, but I didn't realize how small that bubble was Mm. um and going away and not having that community of latinos uh so reinforced in a a town like tallahassee Mm. um it affected me in a way that i didn't think it would because i was trying to escape miami because of these reasons of how miami was such a bubble um i felt like there was more to the world and here i was in tallahassee a completely different experience and i couldn't help but want to get back to miami and smell the cuban coffee i don't even drink cuban coffee <laughs> and i was like i need to smell the cuban coffee the those references eat. right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you it, it's I, I think it's a, it's a common thing like you grew up in a place and you're like you know there's so much out there and and maybe you don't maybe appreciate, don't appreciate it yes. right and then you get outside of that and you have a different experience. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a little bit of, about what those experiences were like. So tell me some moments where you realized, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm not in, <laughs> I'm not on, I'm not in Little Havana anymore. Um, there were so many. And I think it was ignorant of me to not realize that there were going to be conversations like this that were going to take place in, in smaller towns or college towns like mm-hmm. Tallahassee. Especially when you're meeting... Uh, people from different yes. backgrounds and experiences. Exactly. Um, I had a roommate who I introduced myself to her, um, and I'm from Nicaraguan descent. I'm of Nicaraguan descent, and she asked me immediately if I was Mexican, and I said no, no. I just said Nicaragua. I hadn't. Ex- I hadn't told oh, I her yet. Um, she just automatically assumed because right. that's what she knew. Where right. she grew up, I guess the majority of Latinos were 
of Mexican descent. And right. so she just automatically assumed that was me. And so I had this conversation of, no, I'm my family's from Nicaragua. I was born in, in Miami. And she's like, how do you pronounce that? Where is that? And it was so shocking to me that she had no idea where Nicaragua, that Nicaragua existed. I told her it's a country in Central America. Central America, what is that? Like, I thought, you know, all of this was just Mexico. And so there were instances like that where I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it because I grew up in, in Miami where there's so many people from Latin America. You kind of have a better idea of the geography of Latin America. And to, to meet somebody who just did not have that experience at all was shocking. And you then there would you be... Didn't, you, don't have to exp- you didn't have to explain yourself down here. Whereas when you got mm-hmm. there, you found for yes. the first time, right? I think that's what it was. There were so many instances of having to explain who I was, where I came from, my background, my experiences. And coming from a city like Miami, we all have very similar stories. There's differences, obviously, but there's a lot of similarities as well that kind of unites us. And in Tallahassee, or some of the people that I met, mm-hmm. um, they they completely grew up differently. Right. They had a different notion of what a Hispanic or a Latino was, and it was very stereotypical. And so I found myself combating a lot of those notions over and over again, which was when this realization of, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. You know? right. um, and, uh, and I guess also the beginnings of an idea of like, okay, yes. there has to be a place where these stories can be told. And folks... Without fo- knowing. Yes, and folks that don't have go to a publication where they don't have to read the parenthetical phrase, <laughs> you know, where, where things are being explained, where some things regarding Latin culture mm-hmm. and regarding women's issues mm-hmm. aren't having mm-hmm. to be explained over and over just to talk about something further down the road, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, that's where the idea, I think that was the seed, the seeds of the idea without right. really, really realizing it at the time. Right. Well, m- much time has passed yes, since then. Yes, yes, quite a lot. <laughs> and, and, uh, and obviously that, that has kind of been growing and sprouting. And, um, and talk to me about this. When, when was kind of like the, the moments um, where you really started to look around the last, you know, when the, that led to the founding of the Mujerista? Like what kind of things were happening where you said, okay, Latina women specifically is a, is a specific crowd that need to be catered to, that we don't hear from enough, that don't have a platform that they can go to and that they can express themselves. When did that those ideas start to sprout? I would say um, the 2015-2016, um, specifically during the presidential elections, um, I think a lot of people, specifically of Latino you know, descent, they, there was there were these conversations taking place that were excluding us, but they were talking about us, specifically Uh. in like the national media. Um, And even within Latino media, it was only certain topics or certain communities within the Latino community that were being talked about or issues that were being raised. And so myself being Nicaraguan, I feel like even in Miami, which is predominantly Hispanic, and there is a lot of Latino media, there's not a lot of stories about what's going on in Nicaragua. There's very few voices, very few stories. And so here we are at an election year where there were so many disparaging remarks about the Latino community, um, and they weren't even including us in, in these conversations uh, or these issues that were occurring for the Latino community. Um, and it started to kind of like, why why are they talking about immigration but not including Latinos in these? And not talking to immigrants. And not talking to immigrants, yes. Um, Why are they talking about, uh, you know, when women, Latinas, have to make, like my mother, make this decision to 
you know, cross the border in search of a, a better life with their children. Risk why are their they life risk in, their lives, risk cases. their children's lives? Why are they not talking to them ab- about why they feel the need, the urge to have to do that? Um, and so there was all these conversations taking place where I felt that we were being excluded. And at the same time, there also wasn't enough stories about our strength and resiliency as well. And mm-hmm. there is so much strength within Latinas. And I feel like they're not being told. We do hear the immigration stories, but we're not hearing about the Latina business owners, um, which are now, you know, surpassing, I think, the, the, the number of Latina business owners that are starting businesses are, are just surpassing like every other demographic today. And we're not hearing those stories. And those are so important for us to hear because it makes us realize all of our strength and what is possible for us. Camaraderie. Camaraderie as well, yes. Yeah. Um, and so I, that started to kind of like get into my mind of like, why aren't we hearing positive stories about us? Why aren't we um, seeing ourselves represented in media? Um, How can we change this? What can we do? And I think at the time for me as well, I was in a job where I felt that there was a lot of misogyny and in Hispanic Latino culture, it's rampant. What kind of job were you doing? (laughs) Without naming naming Uh, names. (laughs) Yeah, let's not name names. Um, I was in the beauty industry. Um, and it was funny because I wasn't even into beauty at the time and I ended up getting into it. But there was surprisingly a lot of misogyny in, in that industry. Um, and so kind of witnessing that and having the experiences that I had and it being an election year, it all just kind of like came together and there was all these emotions um, that I was feeling and I didn't know what was the outlet for me mm. or where do I go to just find something that could speak to me. And right. that's when I realized that there wasn't much right it's interesting because uh, i think what we're talking about is 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 almost like when you're reading a novel uh, or watching a movie Mm -hmm. and you have somebody draws a great three-dimensional character Mm -hmm. versus a a a poor one a two-dimensional flat image and it sounds like your publication was a chance to talk about people who were being affected and people who were affecting things in a three-dimensional way right you were talking about these complete people and telling stories and a lot of what you do, I've, I've read you do some Q&As on mm-hmm. uh, the Mujerista. Mm-hmm. And so you're literally giving someone the platform to tell stories in their own words. Yes, yes. Tell me about some of those, some of those things that we can find on your platform, uh, specific stories that, that you're proud of, that you're proud to have seen uh, somewhere that maybe you don't see somewhere else. So, I mean, there's quite a few. Um, and to be honest, when I started the platform, mm-hmm. it, it started off as more of submissions because I had no idea what I was doing. Let me be frank. I, I was just like, <laughs> I, I need to- Like a, many great I, ideas though. They kind of start with an open-ended question, <laughs> They start question, in the middle right? of the night, yes, and then an open, um, open-ended question. And so um, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just threw it out there. Let's see what happens. And it started off with just receiving submissions. And so I had a lot of poetry submissions, which was surprising for me. But at the same time, there aren't many spaces that cater or that that, that um, hold poetry in their sites. And so there were those stories. There were immigration stories, first-gen immigration stories. Um, and then we started reaching out to a lot of Latina uh, creatives and entrepreneurs. Were there were there stories that you were getting that you had not read somewhere else? Yes, that that really surprised exactly. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what what were some of those moments that you think that um, specifically, like when you're you're going through and you have some of these moments that that are making you pr- proud or or kind of realize that you've you've done something here. You know, you've done something that people have reacted to. Um, the moments where 
where writers reach out to me and they specifically want their story on the Mujerista site because mm. they feel like they can be very honest um, about what they have to say uh, or share a, a very deep and personal story. Um, because I do give a lot of freedom to the writers um, in terms of, you know, this is your authentic story. Who am I to tell you, you know, what it should look like? And so I, I help as much as I can, but I, I definitely give them a lot of leeway. Um, and then with that, we've also had the opportunity to to share the stories of some like artists and celebrities that I you know, would have never dreamt would have even known we existed. One of them being America Ferreira. Um, she she um, produced and directed episodes on Hentified, it's a show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And she was just so open and honest about, you know, the lack of representation of Latinas in Hollywood and how there is a need for there to be more Latinas behind the scenes um, so that there are more opportunities for us because we're the only ones looking out for each other. And so those are those are the kind of like interviews that really spoke to me because there's that realization of like, you're right, you know, behind this, I'm going to do what I can behind the scenes um, so that I can open up those opportunities and doors for, you know, these next generations of Latinas so that they don't have to question and wonder, like, where am I in this movie? Where am I uh, in this publication? Um, and so those those kind of stories were the ones that really kind of touched me, I right. guess. Did you find originally when you because I mean to do this it, it, it takes allies right mm -hmm. um, did you find uh, what was the reception like right like did people around did people around Miami share the same frustration that you had <laughs> I laugh because um, no <laughs> the Miami bubble is the strong Mi yes um, to my surprise at that time thinking about it now it's oh of course I should have realized that this wasn't gonna like it, no iba a pegar I guess mm. um, at that time um, when I when I launched, um, I kind of did it secretly just because I, I don't like to put things out there until I'm ready to talk about it. Soft launch. Yes, the right? soft launch. There <laughs> we go. That's the correct term. Um, and so I think I did like an Instagram page and I started showing behind the scenes of how, of what was being developed. So like, here's a look into this website that we're building. Here are the women that inspired it, um, the the countries or the colors, the, the terminology. Um, kind of giving a behind the scenes look at, at this is this great thing is coming soon. And I think doing that made it so personal for the followers because they felt like they were in on this development of this publication. Mm. And I gave as much behind the scenes, a behind the scenes look at, as to what I was doing um, for that purpose, so that they felt like they were a part of this journey with me. And I think that it was such a great idea because it, it's felt like that since then. Um, and then when I was ready to finally launch and start telling people about it, specifically in Miami, um, it wasn't understood. It was just like, why do we need this? I think we have representation here. Why do we need more? Um, I don't know, you know. And it was it was hurtful at the time because I was so passionate and driven um, to create this. And having, you know, friends and family kind of question it mm -hmm. um and i'm not you know needing a hundred percent support like i would love feedback but just to have this mm, no that's okay good luck with that oh, you know okay. and that's i think something a lot of latinas face when they become entrepreneurs or, or or go into creative industries um you know a lot of latino parents specifically older generations they they want a more typical uh you know, roadmap for their children mm -hmm. because they do come from very un unstable backgrounds. They want stability for their children. And um, so for me to do something that was a more creative outlet um, where I didn't know if money was going to be coming in ever, 
it was it was like what well why are you doing this why are you wasting your time and um after that i just said okay well i'll i'll just keep doing what i'm doing because i am receiving so much positive like affirmations i guess from people online worldwide and miami will come around when it decides to come around as it usually does <laughs> our guest today is marivet navarrete she's the founder and ceo of the mujerista it's a digital media platform for latinas you know, it's funny that this um, this publication really found its first audience outside Miami. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me curious a little bit about the Miami that you grew up in um, and the things that kind of influenced your life. You mentioned your mom, your your Nicaraguan background mm-hmm. um, and the, the struggle to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, will you tell me a little bit about about that? Because do you, have, do you have brothers and sisters? Was she the first... She crossed the she crossed the Rio Grande with you with you in, Preg- in yeah. pregnant yeah um, I'll I'll share what I know because I think my mother has a hard time talking about it I'm sure there's a lot of trauma behind it and um, every I think during the holidays we I try and ask questions but you know she's she's a little quiet about it um, yeah I think during during the Civil War uh, in the 80s uh, in in Nicaragua um, basically my my family uh, they they all immigrated to the U.S. They they went to Mexico. They found a, a coyote. Um, they paid a coyote and, and they, you know, they crossed the, the El Rio Grande and um, El Rio Grande. And my mother was pregnant at the time with me. Um, she just told the story of how she, you know, crossed that night, um, how it was, you know, pretty scary and demanding, especially with, you know, her pregnancy. Um, at some point, she she flew to Miami, and she met her her sisters because her sisters were already here. Mm. Um, so she met her sisters here. I think they were in Little Havana before we all officially moved to Sweetwater, which is where I think a lot of Nicaraguans had congregated at that time. Right, right. Um, and then we, I was born. <laughs> I have a younger sister who was born uh, three years later, and we we ended up moving to Kendall. So I, I was raised, I guess, in Kendall. Um, and 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 yeah, uh, my family. Did did are, you did you hear a lot of those st- stories like yours when you were growing up here? Of of what specifically? Of specifically folks immigrating and even taking great risk, you know, to to leave what country they were in because of what they were facing to of, come here. Of course, of course. I think the I heard a lot of the the Cuban experience, mm-hmm. uh, which is a completely a whole different a whole different yeah. experience because they're they're you know on the ocean, a lot of them. Um, and so um, I did hear a lot of it. And of course, hearing um, the stories of, of many Nicaraguans, um, because they all basically had a, a very similar fate where they, they crossed using coyotes and, and all of that. Um, mine was always just shocking to me, or for me, my mother's was also, was just always shocking because she was pregnant. Um, and there is just an, another, you know, layer of danger to that right um but she and the family just felt like it was necessary to do so um in search of a better life and to to provide that american dream for their children which Mm. i'll forever be appreciative and thankful for and i think it's it's an another reason for why the mujerista exists it's my way of giving back to her to them uh, to all the strong women in my family um because i could never imagine having had done a quarter of the things that they did when they were in their early 20s. You know, in my early 20s, I was at a bar trying to get drunk. You know? right, right. <laughs> so you're like able to tell stories like those and, mm-hmm. and draw these three-dimensional characters, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 getting submissions from that. So tell mm-hmm. me about people um, 
people discovering you, right? Because that was the big surprise is you launch, you come to your hometown and you launch this platform and then people outside of it start to discover. Tell me about some of those moments where that surprised you or someone far away had, had discovered what you were trying to do. I mean, we I have to be thankful for the, the this digital age that we live in because a lot of it was obviously through, through Instagram, I believe it was. Um, we kind of, and it also was launched in a, in a very specific moment in time, which was right after the 2016 elections. And I think there were so many other Latinos who felt very prideful of, of who they were, where they came from, mm-hmm. and, and wanted to find outlets that, that let them be seen and heard. Right, because that was something that even you were noticing, is that, is that those voices uh, weren't, getting, weren't getting the same amount of... They weren't breaking of, through. Yeah. They weren't breaking through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had so many Latinos who spoke Spanish and speak Spanish, you know, um, sorry, non-Spanglish speakers, Spanglish, Spanish speakers, mm-hmm. Spanglish speakers, um, <laughs> you know, just so many that were like, I want to be connected to my roots or I want to be connected to my roots again. Like, I feel like I've left this out of my life for some time. And, and now there's this need and urge to feel prideful and show that we are like a strong um, force. And so they found this page that I think spoke to them and their experiences, um, which was just, you know, very your mom waking you up on a Sunday morning to clean the house. There's like stories like this um, or uh, the immigrant stories or just seeing other Latinas starting their own businesses and and, um, showing how hard it is, but that it's possible. And it spoke to so many people and, and from around the world. And they would reach out through through Instagram. I would send my email so that they can contact me. I'll jump on phone calls with them. Just talk about whatever, whatever it is that they're feeling and ask them what do they want to see. Because I wanted to build a community, not necessarily a platform. And that's why I, mm. I like to talk about the Mujerista as a community-driven platform because I, I would it would not be anything without that community that has been built around it. So I, I, I'd like to um, ask them what, what it is that they're looking for, what they need, what they want to read about, who they want. They provide me suggestions sometimes of who I should be connecting with and telling stories about. Um, and and yeah, that's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they discover me specifically. I would, I, I would assume it's online. Um, and then sometimes actually I specifically with um, Latinos who are leading figures in the community, mm-hmm. I'll reach out to them. Tell me about some of those mentors to you. Who have been mentors to you both uh, outside of Miami and inside of Miami for you? For me, a lot of them have been outside of Miami, to be mm-hmm. truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a group, a platform called We All Grow Latina. They're a very big uh, platform in the Latino community online. And um, Ana Flores, who's the founder of, of We All Grow, she's been doing it for over 10 years. And so much has happened during her time, and she's kept it pushing, and, and, and they've, they've managed to create such a beautiful platform and community and I've been honored to be able to connect with her and people from the team and they've helped me sort of with direction right. um, in, in terms of how to build that community um, and then I've had others that have uh, come about that reach out, want to connect and we become like these great friends that provide me with insight. Another one is Ashley Stoyanov Ojeda. Um, she's 
out in she was out in I think Portland and she came to Miami reached out and wanted to connect and she gave me some some pointers on how to kind of like make it more of a business um, I, I'm curious too <laughs> about your your OG community right like the community your, your first community is the one in your house uh-huh. take me inside your home uh, did you guys did you talk a lot about race or gender or politics at home like what was what were those discussions like question yeah I mean growing up I would say we did not um draw draw me a picture of your home who's (laughs) who's at home when you come home from school um so my my mother my father I mean we spent a lot of time in my aunt's house um, so what part of town? Put me in on the Kendall, streets. They, they're, we all live, we all kind of moved to Kendall together, like within a five minute drive from each other. And so um, after school, I would I would be typically at my, my aunt's house. And it was my aunt, my uncle, my great grandmother, my grandmother, my other aunt, my cousins. It was just like a group of at least like 10 of us. Um, and every weekend, especially on Sundays, there would be a carne asada with gallo pinto. Uh, queso frito and and we would you know put something on tv laugh about make like comments about it laugh about it and then just gossip around what's going on in nicaragua or like there's their small town and um food is a great way to to preserve culture right yes but also sitting around the tv all watching one thing is especially (laughs) when you start talking about like your parents home country yes right yes and so how do you think that shaped you like when you did that live inside you as you went to high school and what have you down here kind of what they built that kind of like yes it did i think i i always look to build friendships with people that i can have a similar experience as I do mm-hmm. with my family with them. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's different, they're not family, but but they kind of become family for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do a lot of this, now that you mention it, like we do a lot of the same. <laughs> we we uh, get together on a weekend, we'll, we'll have like a beer or a cocktail, and then we will watch TV and gossip around something, sh- uh, share food. Um, yeah, so we, I think it did then. It, <laughs> I picked up a lot of that. Do you think that that opened you up hearing uh, and also hearing these different experiences, especially when you're we're listening what's happening in in another country that mm-hmm. is that is so important to your to your parents and and you know aunts and uncles and grandparents. Do you feel like that that gave you a, a different kind of worldview about you know that idea of like oh I want to see what else is outside of Miami and that kind of thing? Yes, um, especially because they every summer they made it a point to have my sister and I spend our whole summer vacation. In Nicaragua. Oh, what what part? So what part is your? So family? my family's from Granada. I had family in Managua, um, so we spent so much of it in Granada. Um, every now and then in Managua, um, and we would travel to other areas in Nicaragua. But specifically, I spent so much of it in Granada. Who are, who are some of the people that you have memories of there that were kind of formative, oh. like folks that you just remember that you have in your heart? You're you gonna know? make me cry. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> That's okay. My my, okay. my grandmother and my grandfather from my dad's side, um, and my my aunt. Um, uh and her family they so my from my mother's side there was this big house that we would all it was like the family house when we would go to nicaragua and we would get together on the weekends do the carne asada um and it was right near like the town square i would say mm-hmm. um and so we would go to her house then we'd go to the town square have like raspados go to church whatever it was and then go back to her home and you know do the same thing just have the TV or music playing uh, and then gossip about whatever's going on in town. Um, and they, my, my grandmother from my dad's side and my aunt from my mother's side, they were just so 
they were just beautiful people who were always giving and make like taking care of you. Um, and so that's um, like those memories of them taking care of us and making sure that we had this experience of this is where you come from, this is who you are, this is our food, this is the language. Um, that's something I forever hold oh, so deep in my heart. Yeah. yeah. I imagine moments like that help, like obviously they, they create you as a person, right? Yeah. You as a 3D character. And then you can kind of expand on that and say, there are families like this that are separated um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all over you know, all over the states, mm-hmm. and these Latino women who have stories, you know, and they are in Nicaragua and Mexico and Managua, and they're you know all throughout Latin America, and they make sure to unite us. Like they always keep us connected. These Latino women, that's what I've I've. They make sure that you remember, this is your family. Everything that's going on outside, like it, ignore it because your family's here, and we're gonna you know keep us together and keep you strong it's i that's something that i've walked away with with um the women in my family at least that that they're providing this 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 area of safety right yeah yeah so do you uh, are we seeing those kinds of stories in the mujerista like those are it sounds like those stories are so personal to you the ones that move you but they're also the ones that people are can easily empathize with you know um those those influences in your life that make you more than you know what sometimes we heard so much in politics we hear about the caravan and mm-hmm. all these like very two-dimensional scary boogeymen yes, right yes yes um tell I, me about what how you combat I that try to make sure because we will have your, your typical kind of like q a articles mm-hmm. um but even within those articles we try to make sure that we have questions that go deep into who you are and your roots mm-hmm. Um, the cultural aspects of it, because I think at the ultimately, a lot of our readers are there because they they want to feel connected to their culture, um, and so we, along with you know sharing their story of whatever business or creative outlet they've created, um, we we try to make sure that we incorporate those questions where you feel like someone is connecting to it, um, and so yeah, those are those are the kind of stories that we we love to have even with some of the 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 kind of bigger names i guess that we've been able to interview i i try and make sure beforehand is it okay if we we go a little bit deep and ask about your family life or you know the these experiences that are a little bit more um harder to talk about mm-hmm. and depending on the response you know we'll go for it but we we definitely try to make sure to incorporate that in every in every story and um those that no, aren't necessarily Q and A's that are more story based about somebody's experience and um, and background, uh, we we love to showcase them. Our guest today is Marivet Navarrete. She's the founder and CEO of the Mujerista. It's a media platform she created for Latinas around the world that's based in her hometown of Miami. You know, um, I love this idea of looking at it like how it started, how it's going. <laughs> right. We talked about, you know, a family like your mom, uh, who's like crossing the Rio Grande, pregnant with you to come here. And now her daughter is writing stories about people like her and creating three dimensional images. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what is your give me like, how's it going for your family? Like, tell me a little bit about the outlines of your mom and your dad and what they do here and what their lives are like. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> my mother, when my mother, she was in college, I believe, um, before leaving Nicaragua, and my father was too. My father was unfortunately drafted um, in the war, 
and he ended up escaping. It's a crazy story. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for it. Um, but he ended up escaping through the mountains, um, finding a town, hiding out. It's worth saying it's both your parents were in college. <laughs> Yeah. And when when the war when the war the civil yes. war comes to your comes to so their front yes, door exactly so they weren't like you know oh here's you know uh, so many so many times we hear the stories of of people who come to this country as migrant farmers and they're like oh they're you know they're coming as temporary mm-hmm. um, migrant workers or what have you and you know in, in in a case like yours it's it's interesting to draw a full picture like that you know um, and I'm sure they had ideas for for their daughter to to be a college graduate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, she, she, she is now, well, she's been at, Mac, she's been working at McDonald's for like 30, since I was born, to be honest. Wow, really? She's a, at a this mani- particular spot or where? <laughs> the, in Doral. In Doral. <laughs> oh, my mom's going to kill me. Um, but yes, in Doral, she's, she's, uh, she's been working there for 34 years, just as long as I've been born. Um, and she, she's happy. She's content. She, she works there. She goes home, watches her Netflix. Her kids are good, so she's she's good. She's happy. My father, he has had uh, quite a few different jobs, um, but he's always been in search of that American dream, mm. I think. And he ended up getting his associates from uh, Miami Dade College, um, along with other vocational degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he works for the county. Um, my sister, she she works in government and she lives out in Virginia. Um, and then for me, you know, here I am right. <laughs> with my my little publication. <laughs> it must be interesting to them. Have you had those conversations? I mean, there's always parents are always invariably proud of their kids, but that idea that you know that their kids are in college, you know, their their kids came and 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 took like a next step in in their careers, you know, and had a full were able to have a full and rich life. Well, even just the the going to college situation i i my parents were pretty overprotective which i understand now because of you know what what they've experienced in their life um and so i really was determined to go to florida state Mm -hmm. and they were not having it they're like you can't i I couldn't even sleep over like my best friend's house we lived next door exactly that's that's a very latin thing so i don't know what i was thinking that they were going to be okay with this um (laughs) but i i eventually ended up writing them like a two-page letter left it in the living room for them to see it in the morning before they went to work and um, I think the next day they had a conversation with me and we were all in tears oh my God. of just it's we understand now go do this for yourself you know we'll support you 100% what was the thing that changed their minds did they mention was there something specifically in that I letter don't, that I honestly don't even remember what I wrote I wish I still had that I'm gonna ask them if they have the letter um, but it must have been a, a conversation of just like I, I need to do this for myself like I don't feel like I've I know the world and there's just so much to explore and this is an opportunity for me to do so and I've worked so hard to be able to do that and I have this opportunity to go to you know Florida State and let me take it and it must have been something along those lines yeah and I, I imagine that that your platform is something where there's a lot of women that have stories like yes, yours yes so right? many so many tell me about some of that about being able to to be able to to give voice to some to of those stories. To speak to that? Yeah. I, I'm so honored that what we've created is is being felt by so many uh, Latinas from around the world. Hmm. Um, because again, this was an idea that just came about suddenly one night and with no real indication of where it would go. Um, and to be able to 
create something where people go to every day and they tell their friends about, share our stories, or want to write about what we're doing or, or want to write for the publication, um, you know, it's it's just because we're creating something for a group. It's not something I'm creating for myself. It's something that's being created for all of us, mm. all of us within the community. And I'm I'm hope I'm grateful that it's speaking to so many and it has led to so many incredible opportunities for me and I've been in spaces that I would have never in a million years imagined I would ever be and it has allowed my going back to this this topic we had before it's allowed my friends and family to now see the value of what is being built and see oh there are this is a voice for the voiceless um and it's it's that aspect of it for me has has is just <laughs> it's great because it, it it really reinforced the idea that I had in starting it. Were there a couple of those moments that that you think of like that 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 really that flipped it for you? Like those moments of where even they recognize what you're doing. <laughs> one of them was I. It was an article on Forbes, mm-hmm. and I think the big one for my family specifically because Forbes, my parents were like, we don't know what this is. What, what's Forbes? Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. And then um, when I got in, I got invited to the White House last year for a Hispanic Heritage Month event that they were having. Um, that one really spoke to them. La Casa Blanca. La Casa Blanca, yeah. And and my dad What was that reaction? Yeah, tell me about your dad. They were like <laughs> my dad's very much into politics. Um and so his immediate reaction was you have to tell Biden this, that we need to do this, we need to do that. I'm like, I don't need, I don't think that I'm going to be close to to President I'm not Biden, be but a beer I'll, with uh, the president, but but okay. There and I was invited again actually um last month and so I I, I went last month as well. So uh, they were like, oh my gosh, you're, you're, your buddies <laughs> with the White House. And so in that one, my father said, I have a note. Can you, can you pass it to him? Oh my, can you pass this note can to President pass? I'm like, Biden. I'll try to get this past the Secret Service. Sure. Yeah, Dad. I'm sure, I'm sure Secret <laughs> Service won't tackle me immediately. <laughs> what were those experiences like? What were the specific things that you went up for? What, what did you do there? So they, it was, there were just events that they were holding and they invited Latino leaders and figures and to be included in that group was shocking to me because I, I still, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that some people look at me as a figure or the platform um, as a leading platform for for Latinos in the U.S. or Latinas in the U.S. Um, And so being in these spaces where I immediately cried (laughs) walking in because, again, I never imagined myself being there. And at the same time, it was also like all the struggles and challenges that my parents faced in um, trying to learn the language, assimilate a little to the culture, mm-hmm. all of that wasn't in vain. Like I'm I'm now in the White House having margaritas with, you know, the the first lady and <laughs> and the vice president and I'm I here's the, the president and he's looking at me. Um so I've had that experience specifically was was one where I carried my, my family, my parents with me. Um and and that whole imagery of them crossing the border and then coming to Miami, living in a little, you know, casita and little Havana with all my my aunts. Um, I carried that imagery with me when I was every time or the last two times I've gone to the White House. I'm not going to say every time. I'm not trying to invite myself. All these times, right? (laughs) How did that change things for you to have that kind of experience? And then you come back and you settle in in the production of this of this media platform that you've created. How did that change things for you? I definitely take uh, a couple of days off to just kind of 
allow it to sit in and process. Because mm-hmm. uh, if there's something that I've learned is that you you do need to take you know some breaks. Um, if not, you you burn yourself out, especially because this is a very small production, <laughs> very small team behind the scenes. Um, so and and because I want to enjoy those moments and enjoy those wins, which is something I I now tell so many of the women that ask me for advice. It's when you have a good, it, it could be the smallest win that you had it like that week, but celebrate it because mm. no one else is going to do it for you and. things move so quickly and if you're not celebrating those wins you just think like you're just constantly looking for that next big thing Mm -hmm. and you just need to allow yourself to feel those emotions of of like that positivity that you have when when something a good accomplishment occurs um you need to sit with that and and remind yourself of like okay this is why i started this this is what i'm doing and here's like use it as fuel to to keep going and and find that next thing to do or the next um, level to take right. what you're what you're doing. How did that how did that change things for for your your publication? You have this moment you're like, "Wow, this is great," but then having that experience, how did that how did that advance? How did that boost what you're trying to do? There's more recognition, 100%. Um I've I've had people reach out um like Eva Longoria Um, she, who's another sort of um, person that I look up to because of what she's accomplished in Hollywood. She and recently produced that uh, the new movie, the Flaming the, Hot movie. The Flaming yes, Hot movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, she's she's been following the Muhari stuff for for quite some time, and she's shared so many of our stories and posts. And I haven't had to ask her. Like she just does it on her own because she believes in the platform. And so I've had recognition from from certain Latina. that for me are icons that have have really proven that what we're doing is important and vital and because they're sharing it we have others that come and you know take a look at what we're doing and they reach out they want us to do stories about this or they want us to attend this or cover this um and so we've been able to to have you know brand partners like like Red Bull and Nike um HBO we've we've worked with you know some companies that that I'm assuming have found us through through what we've built and are are very interested in in having what they're doing be aligned with what you're al- doing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of your sneaker posts too on oh. Instagram, so you know, I'm a, I'm I am an appreciator of sneakers, so I did um talk to me a little bit about now this is as much as you've done here and and you got a, a night arts challenge uh mm-hmm. you got a, a grant rather yes. from um the night's art foundation so the night arts foundation it was uh, marielena ortiz right yes. that, that designated she's yes. the an associate curator at the perez art museum uh she de- she they basically she's a night arts champion right mm-hmm. and they, and she they, was able to choose a night's art champion and she called me i don't i don't remember exactly how we met but she she then reached out and said i have the opportunity to to grant uh you know this amount of money mm-hmm. to somebody i want it to be you and i said are you sure <laughs> but what an amazing vote of support right yes of course um i i it was our it was the first time i had received some funding for the mujerista and for it to be from her she's an incredible curator um and 
for it to be for her to respect the work that we're doing and want us to succeed and, and go forward um i am so appreciative of it and it was a very surreal moment and it, it didn't really hit until the night of the ceremony i think i went I went to the ceremony. Um, we and then we went to karaoke afterwards because that's that <laughs> I had to celebrate this, and that was my way of celebrating. But but yeah, that was that was a surreal moment because I again I I don't I don't imagine much. Um, I know that's a very important publication for people, and I'm I'm grateful that we are creating work that is speaking and resonating. But to me, it's still so small. It's still a baby. It's still a child. It's still growing for me, and so I I have these. I feel like I have this imposter syndrome when it comes to mm. to my work with the Mujerista. Like mm. I still don't, I can't wrap my head around why people care, why people want me to, to speak on something or to be invited to a show like this, you know, because uh, to me it's just, I'm just doing, I just wake up in the morning, I'm like, what do I do today? That's how it feels like to me. So when I have um, somebody like Marilena who support me and, and want to, you know, give this grant to me, um, forever thankful and those things build like it's that then you're at the white house you have eva longoria uh, kind of helping spread <laughs> no, the message and of what we've you had do. a few other uh, grants given to us too we we actually had one from caress and i fund women mm. we also did a, a kind of a crowdfunding um we did crowdfunding a few years back as well and we had we raised ten thousand dollars from that crowdfunding and that's you know from our readers that's from a our crowd community. that cares yes, right exactly an invested crowd an invested crowd mm. and for people it, it reminds me of how much, how important this is. Um, but behind the scenes, I'm always like. <laughs> yeah, and this is still kind of your side hustle, right? Like yes, you still. It's, I still work. I still have a nine to five. Right. Uh, yeah, I work in media. Um, so I, I do get to learn a lot from from that and kind of be able to take that and, and apply it to what I'm doing with the Mujerista. Um, but yeah, it's still my it's still my side hustle for me. Uh, I, I tried I did try uh, doing it full time for a few months, but media's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Exactly. <laughs> right, so so in the last few minutes, we have dream big, right? Dream big for oh, me. No, what not do you, this question. What do you want <laughs> for this to be? Like if you if you can stand on your tippy toes and look further out, what would you like the Muerista to to evolve into? Um, I, I have dreams of it becoming this platform where we are able to continuously give back. I would like to start an incubator um, where we can help Latino entrepreneurs flourish and give them direction on how to scale their businesses, scale and develop. Um, I would like to have a sort of scholarship fund where we can give back to, to young Latinas who are, you know, who are in need of, of funding for, for college. Um, I, I, I want to be able to raise money and give that back to the community because there's so many, um, there are so many people within our community that have these incredible ideas who are so bright and all they need is somebody to believe in them and support them. And n with the experience that I've had, those, those people that have supported me along the way, I want to use that to now lift somebody else up and hopefully it'll be you know this this next generation of Latinas that's coming forward. Do you, what do you hope for um, Miami, right? Because Miami is it's, <laughs> it took off here, it caught on elsewhere. Do you feel like it eventually? What what it gives you hope that it eventually will catch on here? I think it's starting to. Um, so it, it caught up or it caught on in New York, in Chicago, in Chicago Texas, California. Um, it's starting to 
to do to happen here in Miami. Um, I'm I'm being invited as as a guest in different programs, or people are reaching out to want to connect and meet with me, share my 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 story, um, advice. Um, so I think it's starting to do so. It it took some time, but that's okay. Uh, you know I love Miami, and there's so there's so much talent here. And so I'm trying to, now that Miami's sort of coming around the idea, I want to go back to the initial, um, you know, idea for the Mujerista, which was to tell more Miami Latina stories. Um, so, you know, these this next year, I'm going to really make that a focus for the Mujerista platform is to now share those stories, not, not you know, continue to share the national ones and the global ones, but I want to definitely have Miami more on the forefront, especially now that there are so many eyes on Miami. There's so many things that have moved down here. Um, and so I think it's now is the time for me to do that. Maribet, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story thank with you. us. Our guest today was Maribet Navarrete. She's the founder and CEO of The Mujerista. It's a digital media platform for Latinas. And that's Sundown for Wednesday, July 26. Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Welcome back, Helen. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. And Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio and Sundown's engineer. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. Coming up tomorrow on the program, an artist who weaves her Peruvian and Dominican roots into her work, literally. Diana Eusebio is an artist in residence at Ulite Arts. She'll be with us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. 